You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. I'm also the co-editor of Dunking With Wolves, the Timberwolves site on the fan-sided network. Today's episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the Locker Room app from the iOS app store and find one of our lockdown rooms. Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Happy final day of this weird three-game or three-day break, I should say, in between Timberwolves games. The Wolves are back in action, of course, Wednesday night against the Memphis Grizzlies at Target Center, the end of the homestand before a, the final road trip of the season, which is weird to say, but here we are. Um, so today on the show, a couple of, of things to discuss. One, Darren Wolfson, Doogie Wolfson of KCP and Score North had some notes on the pending ownership transaction on Twitter on Monday. So I want to talk about that. I also want to address the, uh, this is not necessarily directly Timberwolves related. I thought at the beginning of the year it might be, but um, alas, the Wolves did not are not in the conversation, obviously, for the play-in tournament, if you will. But I want to talk about the play-in tournament complaints from uh, various people, most recently, most prominently LeBron James and the Lakers, and just kind of give my thoughts on their thoughts. And then I want to get into some lineup and rotation conversation, really what what uh, less Christian Rosas and more Chris Finch has done to remedy at least somewhat remedy the rebounding issue that has plagued the Wolves over the past year, really two seasons and how it's improved and why it's improved with Chris Finch at the helm. So that'll be today's show. And then of course, on Wednesday's show, we'll look ahead and, and preview Wolves Grizzlies. I'll actually talk about the Anthony Edwards LaMelo ball rookie of the year race on Wednesday. I think I'd said Tuesday would be the day, but I'm going to push that to Wednesday and, uh, We'll just kind of handicap that a little bit. Talk about the favorites based on betonline.ag, based on their line uh, or their their uh, odds right now for who's going to win Rookie of the Year. And I'll give my two cents on on how I would vote were I to have a vote for this award. So um, that's all coming this week. And then, of course, Wolves are back in action Wednesday night and, uh, you know, back on a bit of a regular rhythm here for the final two weeks of the season with no big big three-day off-day breaks. So um, at any rate, a quick reminder, as always, you can follow the show anywhere you listen to podcasts. That includes Apple, Google, Spotify, and the all-new Odyssey app. That's Odyssey, A-U-D-A-C-Y. You can also follow on Twitter, at LockedOnTWolves. That's at LockedOnTWolves. Don't forget the T. And also at BBeacon is my account. That's at BBeacon, two Bs, two Es, C-K-E-N. All right, uh, let's talk first quickly about the ownership situation for the Timberwolves. So it was at this point, just a little over three weeks ago, that it was announced via, I, I guess it was John Krasinski of The Athletic, ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski were kind of around the same time, Sham Shirani of The Athletic, all reported that the Timberwolves owner, Glenn Taylor, who of course has owned the team since the mid-90s, had entered into an exclusive negotiating window with the intent to sell the Timberwolves and Lynx to a, a, a prospective ownership group involving former Major League Baseball superstar Alex Rodriguez and tech billionaire Mark Laurie. And, um, you know, I, I spent a little bit of time, quite a bit of time actually at the, you know, back three weeks ago talking about this and um, a couple of times since then and, and really the pros and cons of it weighing like, hey, does this mean the Timberwolves will move? Does it mean they'll stay? Taylor says they're going to stay regardless. Um, Rodriguez, you know, A-Rod, there was the whole Anthony Edwards not knowing who A-Rod was. Um, there's, 
you know, all the different layers to it. And it's been a couple of weeks since I've addressed it. And Darren Wolfson pointed out on Monday afternoon on Twitter, he says, uh, this is a, I'll just read his tweet directly. He says, the 30-day exclusive negotiating window between Glenn Taylor and Alex Rodriguez and Mark Laurie is coming to a close this week. Be interesting to see if it gets across the finish line. Still remains amazing that a trans- transaction of this magnitude is figured out in days, early April. So, um, and that's the end of the tweet. A reminder that that he, I mean, Doogie's right. It sounds like this whole thing was like a five to seven day situation where this wasn't even on the radar. A-Rod and, and Lori expressed interest and then it all kind of went down. They quick signed this 30-day negotiating window agreement. This is the second time that Taylor's had one of these windows. Remember last September, it was it was Daniel Strauss, Daniel E. Strauss, the former minority owner of the Memphis Grizzlies, who entered into this window. It seemed like that was going to get done. It didn't. Apparently, they were still involved up until this new negotiating window was uh, agreement was signed, and we're still in the running for the team. The Strauss group was. So, you know, who knows? I mean, at this point, it would be pure speculation to 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 speculate on what the holdup could be, if there is even a holdup, or if they're just still dotting I's and crossing T's because everything happened so quickly. There were some people on Twitter who asked questions about if, you know, do you think it still gets done? And Doogie says, we'll see. Could always extend the window if needed. Don't forget how many details need to be figured out in a transaction this size. Um, He says he still thinks Taylor's going to sell it. He also says he doesn't think that Taylor's going to pull out at this point. Um, So at any rate, we don't know. But it is important to note that that 30-day window, I believe, expires at the first part of next week. Um, or maybe it's the very end of this week. I, th- I think it's four weeks Saturday, which would tell me that it would be the following Monday uh, that the 30 days would actually expire. But at any rate, we're within about a week or so, five to seven days of this thing closing, depending on when it was actually signed. And that's uh, obviously going to be something to watch. I mean, it's not going to look great if there's another exclusive negotiating window that comes and goes with the Wolves not being sold. And who knows what, you know, if there's anything involving potential relocation to the team that maybe is being haggled over, again, speculation, possibly reckless, but um, we, we just don't know. And maybe we'll know more to, more later this week. Maybe we won't. But either way, that window is going to come to an end here soon. So keep an eye on that. Um, the other thing I want to hit here on the top is the complaints about the play-in tournament. Um, I don't know. Here's the thing. I talked about this a few days ago. Well, no, I guess it was more like a couple weeks ago when uh, Mark Cuban and Luka Doncic and the Mavericks were complaining about the idea of of the NBA play-in tournament, basically that you shouldn't be punished for being the seven seed, blah, blah, blah. Of course, Cuban liked the idea back when it was proposed because he never thought Dallas would end up in the play-in tournament this year, um, nor did I also, by the way. So I, I get how you feel, Mark. Um, but it, it's impossible for this to come off as anything other than sour grapes, Right. I mean, the Lakers are still a game up on Portland for the seven spot, and that's that's following play on Monday of this week. So, I mean, like, I don't know, just win a couple more games. I mean, I, I get LeBron's been hurt. I get Anthony Davis has had injuries, whatever. But, but like, how else? Are, how are you going to come off as anything other than sour grapes that you feel like because you were you're the defending champs, or in Dallas's case, you were expected to be better than you are? You know, who cares? Like, like it'd be different if like 
I, I don't know. I mean, why would they even be talking about this unless they're in this position? And and I think, you know, the media is basically setting them up for this by saying, oh, how do you feel about being in the play? And of course, they're not going to like it. Of course, no, no, you know, baseball teams don't like when they play 162 games and it comes down to one. Right. Uh, and this is a, even a less extreme version of that, because if you're seven, you have to lose twice. Right. All you got to do is win once if you, you have to lose to the 10 seed and then lose to the loser, the eight, nine game in order to get knocked out of the playoffs. So all you got to do is win one game. And I understand why that will be frustrating if you if you've you know finished the season with a seven or eight games above five hundred record and you've got to beat a below five hundred team in the ten spot, whether that's the Spurs or the Pelicans or whoever. I understand why that's frustrating. I understand that, but I, I mean, just win the game or or don't be in that spot. I mean, like somebody gets somebody misses out every year, right? Someone's going to be in the eleven spot this year. Somebody somebody was in the nine spot last year, like. That's just how this thing works. If you don't want to be in that spot, win more games and be a spot higher, be in the sixth spot. You don't need to worry about it. From a from a basketball standpoint, I think it's a great idea. I, I do tend to favor the thought of not having the seven seed included, but I mean, I don't think there's a huge difference in drawing that line because what if the six seed is only a game better than the seven seed? It's the same argument as what if the seven seed is only a game better than the eight seed, right? Um at any rate, I think in future years, the league will probably go to a format where the seven seeds in the playoffs and it's it's either eight, nine and 10 and at like a round robin to get the final seed, which I guess could be a little tricky to get that all done in, in short order. Or maybe it's just, you know, whatever, whoever the teams are that are in eight and nine battle it out for eight or something like that. Um, some sort of mini tournament for the eight seed, or maybe it's the top seven make it and the other teams in the conference, the other, what is it? Other eight teams then could battle it out. And you even give the worst teams a chance. Um, that's trickier as well. And that's why they've talked about all-star break tournaments, just because, I mean, that's a lot of games to squeeze in between the regular season and the postseason. And, and teams will get too much time off and then complain about losing their rhythm. And um, anyway, there, there's a lot of things involved in that. I just think it, the play-in thing is going to be good for the game. People are going to watch it. People are going to watch Spurs Blazers or Spurs Mavericks, or you know, if it ends up being... If, if Zion somehow squeaks in, which I don't think he will in the Pelicans, but like, for instance, Grizzlies, Mavs, John Morant versus Luka Doncic, people are going to watch a winner go home game between the Mavs and Grizzlies. It's going to be a lot of fun. Or if it was the Lakers, obviously. Um, that's what the league's going for, right? And complaining about it when you're in that position unexpectedly can't come off as anything other than sour grapes. And even if it's coming from LeBron, his quote was something about how whoever came up with it should lose their job. Like, come on, LeBron. Um, I mean, it, that's just a really unreasonable take for this whole thing. And, and again, I understand the, the, uh, the, the reason for being upset that you're in this position, but it's going to be fun for everybody for at least in terms of fans. Um, and no matter what happens, whoever loses, even if it is, whoever loses that game is going to be upset. Right. And that's, that's just how it works. I mean, people complained about the first round of the playoffs being only five games, you know, 20 plus years ago people like there's always something to complain about. And and this to me, we haven't even seen it fully play out yet. So let's, let's give it a chance to, uh, to kind of come to fruition here. And then we can talk about the merits of it at that point. But, um, I think burying the idea isn't really fair at this point. Okay. So next, what I want to do is I want to talk about, uh, Lineups, rotations, how Chris Finch has worked towards fixing the Timberwolves rebounding issue, kind of the history of the rebounding problems for the last year plus, 
year and a half plus for the Timberwolves. First though, let's talk about Locker Room. This episode of Lockdown Wolves is brought to you by Locker Room. Locker Room is the first social audio platform made for sports fans. The app is free to download and once you're in, you can talk with fans, athletes, and insiders in real time about your favorite team or sport. Locker Room is the perfect place to start or join conversations about the league. You'll find you'll find fans just like yourself on Locker Room for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and of course, reacting to big news or rumors. You can even find Locked On hosts across the NBA as well as the MLB and NHL. I will be joining the app soon. Be sure to get started. I'll meet you there. Go download the free Locker Room app now, currently available on all iOS devices. Be sure to create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the NBA or NFL, MLB, NHL group. For the latest league updates, I know you'll find a ton of incredible rooms around your favorite teams and leagues. I can't wait to join you on the app. I'll be sure to let you know once the Lockdown Wolves room is live. Download the Locker Room app today. Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. Okay, the Minnesota Timberwolves have not been a good rebounding team for a long time. And uh, that's probably not a surprise if you're listening to this podcast. You're probably a Timberwolves fan. You probably have watched the Wolves quite a bit the last couple of seasons. And you then, if that's the case, you definitely know that rebounding has been an issue. And I mean, last year, you look at it, the raw numbers aren't terrible. They were actually 14th in total rebounds per game, 18th in defensive rebounds per game. Not awful. Uh, defensive rating, or excuse me, defensive rebound rate was 18 percent or eight or ranked 18th, I should say. Going back two years though, you know, 19th in total rebounds and 27th in rebound rate. And that was the Tom Thibodeau, Ryan Saunders, uh, you know, the, the year that was split between the two as coaches. And you can see kind of this pattern of, of the Timberwolves moving towards playing more small ball. And that started under Ryan Saunders, mostly midway through that season. And this was, uh, you know, Covington, Robert Covington was acquired in the Jimmy Butler trade. Taj Gibson was still on the roster and he was a, a good rebounder, really good the year prior to that for the Wolves. And uh, Minnesota just kind of, they wanted to play small. And this was a Gerson Rosas thing, but also a Ryan Saunders thing. And we saw last season when the Wolves, and of course the pandemic shortened season, the Wolves went 19 and 45 when it was all said and done. They were, they started the season with Robert Covington, the six, seven Robert Covington is their primary power forward. Who else played power forward at the start of last season? Well, Jake Lehman played a lot at power forward, um, off the bench early in the season. Keita Bates-Diop, as the season went on, played a lot at the four, and he was never, uh, for a guy who primarily played the four, I mean, he had a rebound rate of 9% last season. That's not what you want out of your power forward. So uh, Gorgie Jang played a little bit as well, but but Gorgie at the four didn't happen very much under, once Taj Gibson joined the Wolves, Gorgie, you know, in a, Tibbs' first year as head coach, Gorgie played a lot of four. After that, he was primarily the backup five. His minutes got cut significantly, and Ryan Saunders didn't like to play two seven-footers together in, in Gorgie Jang and, and Carl Anthony Towns. So it was Jake Lehman. It was Keita Bates-Diop. It was mostly Robert Covington. And each of those guys does certain things well, and Rocco is a fantastic defender and a really good three-point shooter and, and a, a solid offensive player. But rebounding was the issue early last season, one of the main issues and, and one of the reasons why this team started 11 and nine and then had two double digit losing streaks prior to COVID-19 shutting down the season. But it was consistently an issue and it was, it, it, it was buoyed a little bit by the, by some of the, the overall rebounding numbers because Towns was so incredible when he was healthy. And so the numbers ended up not being quite as bad, but you go back and look at some of the games the Wolves lost in the 1920 season. Rebounding was a major problem. This year, the Wolves were a bottom three rebounding team and by defensive rebounds per game, defensive rebound percentage, total rebounds per game, 
offensive rebounding has been okay for the Wolves this year, but defensively, it was miserable early this season. Why? Well, think about it. Juancho Hernan Gomez was signed in the offseason to a deal in restricted free agency. For his career, he's been a pretty average rebounder and a pretty average at best defender. But he went through this last offseason with basically no on-court work, right? I mean, he sat out. Well, first there was the pandemic. Then he missed the the September kind of the mini bubble in the Twin Cities because he was filming a movie and, and it was a prior commitment. So not faulting Wancho for missing it. Came into training camp, wasn't really in shape, kind of eased into preseason, didn't play a lot the first couple games. And then he was kind of thrown to the wolves, so to speak, and had a really rough start to the season. Then he missed games with health and safety protocols related to COVID-19. I don't think the team ever confirmed it, but it seemed pretty clear that he had tested positive for the virus and then had to work back from that from a conditioning standpoint. Missed a dozen games after uh, or due to the health and safety protocols. And so early this season, when Juancho was getting back into shape and also not playing well, there was this whole conversation. I feel like we spent like three days. It was like a full half Timberwolves news cycle talking about Josh Akogi playing the four and Josh Akogi saying, shoot, I, you know, I'll play the five. Um, and Ryan Saunders saying, yeah, I'll play him at the four and, and him actually playing some four and mostly it, it not working out. Now, of course, we've seen since then the solution is to play a Kogi, you know, not let him guard the four position on the floor, but effectively use him on offense as though he is a power forward, put him in the dunker spot, put him at the elbows, put him in places where he's not going to be his lack of shooting touch um, and lack of really offensive skill set in the half court can be hidden and he can be used as a cutter. Um, as an offensive rebounder, some things like that, instead of exposing him on the perimeter. But at any rate, Josh Akogi at the four wasn't really a winning strategy. Jake Lehman at the four, generally not a winning strategy. Um, you know, it, there was even some Anthony Edwards time at the four early this season. I think all of it under Ryan Saunders. I don't believe he's played a minute at at the power forward spot under Chris Finch. And the Timberwolves were predictably a bottom three rebounding team. I mean, Anthony Edwards wasn't rebounding the ball well at the two and the three. So putting him at the four is not going to fix that. Uh, Ryan Saunders would not use Nas Reed next to Towns. He did very briefly a couple of times last year. I think it was like a dozen minutes or so total spread across three games, three or four games that Nas Reed and Carl Anthony Towns shared the floor together under Ryan Saunders last season. This season, Saunders didn't entertain that idea. He didn't want to play. Uh, he certainly wasn't going to play Wancho at the three. He wasn't playing Jade McDaniels at all. And so you had a combination of, of Wancho performing poorly at the four, and you had undersized, woefully undersized Josh Akogi and Anthony Edwards, who's, I mean, Anthony Edwards is a six foot four, putting him at the four early in his rookie season in the name of generating some offense, getting more possessions, being more dynamic offensively, and, and, and in theory, flexible and versatile from a, a defensive pos, uh, perspective. That was the early season rotation. Since that point, Chris Finch has been a lot more creative than what Ryan Saunders did earlier this season. And it's not only playing fours at the four or playing, say, Nas Reed at the four instead of just at the five. There's been some other things he's done differently, too, that it's a little bit of a trickle-down effect. And we're seeing some of these guys really rebound their positions extremely well. So I want to break that down a little further, talk about some individual rebounding performances to this point in the season, as well as the trickle-down effect that uh, playing Nas at the four, for instance, has had on the rest of the rotation. So that's what I want to do to close the show here today. Before we get to all that, though, let's talk about our friends at rockauto.com. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, 
it's now impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. Why would you endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person at the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand that their warehouse happens to carry? You have a computer with access to rockauto.com both at home and in your pocket. RockAuto.com is a family business. They've been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. You can go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The RockAuto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices that you prefer. Best of all, the prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low. They're the exact same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why would you spend up to twice as much for the exact same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck, right? Locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. Hey, let's also talk about betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season's in full swing. You can track all the action at BetOnline. There was also plenty of sports action over the, over this last weekend, the NFL Draft, the Kentucky Derby, of course, the first leg of the Triple Crown. Um, you can get all the latest news, odds, and info for all of your sporting needs, including the MLB, NBA, NHL, and of course, also UFC and MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to BetOnline on either your laptop or mobile device. Check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today. Receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with the promo code LOCKEDON. Again, that's promo code locked on for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit at betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Okay, let's go ahead and, and uh, keep talking about the rebounding issue for the Wolves, or I guess the, the improving, it's less of an issue now, uh, the improving rebounding category for the Timberwolves. So Nasri's been playing a lot more at the four. Now for the season, he's still only played 11% of his minutes at the four, according to basketball reference, their position estimate. Um, but that's all come since Ryan Saunders was let go, you know, roughly two months ago. So he's played a lot more and he's played a lot more at the four. And again, it depends on matchups. Chris Finch doesn't do this blindly. Um, and not that Ryan Saunders necessarily made, you know, uh, matchup rotation decisions and, and matchup decisions blindly. I'm not saying he did that. I'm just saying that Chris Finch is really thoughtful. It's not a blanket. Like it's basically like Ryan Saunders said, Nas Reed will never play the four, right? Um, and that's just, you know, Juancho Hernan Gomez will never play the three. It just didn't happen. It's not something he was looking to do or even considering. Chris Finch didn't play Nasrid at the four in his first game, I don't think. It's something that he started to do depending on matchups. He also recognized, hey, we're a terrible rebounding team, and that's a major issue. How could I fix this? Nas wasn't a great rebounder at the five. He's been much better since playing at the four. He has more advantageous um, matchups that allow him to get boards more easily. That's been a major issue or a major factor for him. Anthony Edwards also has been much better on the glass recently too. And I don't think it's strictly because he's playing uh, because of the matchups he's getting necessarily. I think he's also, the awareness has improved and he's been challenged by the coaches at his size and athleticism to grab more rebounds. But it goes without saying that putting more big guys on the court 
is going to, generally speaking, lead you to get more rebounds. And that's exactly what ha- what has happened. And it's not just Nas at the four. It's also Jade McDaniels at the three. It's Juancho Hernan Gomez at the three, which I never thought we would see. Juancho's actually now played 20% of his minutes on the season at the three, according to basketball reference. Jaden McDaniels is at 19% of his minutes at the three. And Jaden's body type is more natural for the three and, and his ability to move laterally and his quickness, his length, all those things play well at the three. Um, he does struggle sometimes at the point of attack. He can get beat off the dribble by smaller, quicker players. But then again, he turns in these performances where, you know, he can slow down, uh, you know, uh, what's a good example? I mean, the Pelicans, Brandon Ingram, I mean, Ingram, I guess, is is closer to Jaden McDaniel's size and build. But there was, there was another recent ball handler, and I'm blanking now on who it was, but McDaniels can lock down perimeter guys um, much, obviously much better than Wacho Hernan Gomez can. But that's the beauty of playing him at the three is he can guard twos, threes, and fours, you know, twos in a pinch, threes and fours. You don't really want him guarding fives. Wancho basically can only guard threes and fours in the occasional five. But by putting one of those guys at the three and putting Nas Reed at the four, or maybe even Jared Vanderbilt at the four, which is a little trickier because of his lack of, of shooting ability, but playing Vanderbilt at the four is also an option that's going to help your rebounding. He's arguably the second best rebounder on this team next to Carl Anthony Towns. Vander, Vanderbilt is. And Ryan Saunders, when Vando was in the lineup, was using him mostly as a backup center option. Uh, when Towns was out, it was backup to Nas Reed, and, and he also played some some minutes at the five um, you know, here and there otherwise. But Vanderbilt is much better used as, as a four, strictly a four, um, kind of play in the dunker spot on on offense. And recently in the actually in the loss to New Orleans, he did really well in that role and, and got up two, three dunks in that game um, on the offensive end of the floor. But the ability and the willingness to play not only fives at the four, but fours at the three has been great. And we actually saw in, in the loss to the Pelicans, and this isn't why they lost, but it was notable that after playing some significant minutes with Nas and Towns together on the floor at the same time and it working well, the closing lineup was two point guards, uh, two bigs, and Anthony Edwards. It was Townsend Reed in the front court. It was D'Angelo Russell and Rubio in the back court, and it was Anthony Edwards at the three. And it ended up not really working. And the Wolves actually gave up three important offensive rebounds down the stretch in that game, in the game in which they lost. But I mean, it was that's what. Chris Finch was going for, right? It was for some defensive flexibility. It was the ability to stretch the floor. If you're going to have Rubio on the court, it's tough to also have, say, Jared Vanderbilt. I mean, Vando closed the game not that long ago at the four, but you can't really justify both having Vanderbilt, having both Vanderbilt and Rubio on the court together in crunch time. But having the floor stretching ability of Towns as well as Reed, Edwards can knock down an open three-pointer, and obviously D'Angelo Russell can. That's supposed to be the best of all worlds, right? You've got the size in the backcourt in Rubio and Russell, even though they're both even though you're not playing a true shooting guard. And you've got the ability of Reed and Towns in the front court to rebound. And those are the types of creative lineups that we didn't previously see. And Chris Finch is more than willing to do that. I've talked about this before. He pushes the right buttons. He pulls the right strings. He knows, has a good pulse on the, on the flow of the game and what to do down the stretch. And from a rotation perspective, he also does a pretty good job of, of kind of taking in the information of, of the opponent and the matchup. And finding the right combination between playing the the so-called hot hand and the pushing the buttons of the lineups that are working, the combinations that are working, and also being smart based on game situation and opponent. And we're we're seeing a lot of that uh, with 
McDaniels at the three, Wancho at the three, Nas at the four, Vanderbilt at the four. The ability to to try different things has been massive. Um, and, and I'm really intrigued to see what this thing looks like. If if Malik Beasley comes back before the end of the season, what does that do? I mean, is it less minutes for Rubio? Is it less minutes for, I, I would think, Josh Kogi? He probably loses his starting spot and... Um, we see some, so we see some Delo and Rubio minutes. We see some Beasley and, and Delo, obviously, and maybe a Kogi is the guy who who sees his minutes cut significantly. But what does that do to this rotation? At any rate, the moral of the story is Chris Finch is trying creative things that we haven't seen the Wolves try, certainly not under Tom Thibodeau, and and creative in a more impactful and successful way than what Ryan Saunders was doing with the small ball uh, attempts earlier this season and last going back to last season. Chris Finch is doing things almost kind of zigging when other teams are zagging and saying, I don't really care if you guys are trying to play small. I'm going to play my big lineup. We're going to dominate the glass or at least try to and still have the ability to, to you know, Towns can handle the ball in the perimeter. Four of the five guys on the court can shoot threes at a league average or above clip. That's how we're going to, we're going to dictate terms here. And that's something Finch has done a lot of lately and mostly with a, with a level of success. So again, interesting to see what this, Looks like when Beasley comes back, also how sustainable it is, you know, as teams start to to understand this. And, and you know, Nas Reed isn't a fantastic one-on-one defender, although he's improved. Um, and so how do teams attack a bigger Wolves lineup? I think they've surprised some teams with it more recently. But um, kudos to, to Chris Finch and his staff for being creative, for being willing to try this. And it's working. The Wolves have still won six out of their last nine, uh, despite the loss to the Pelicans the other night. Okay, Wednesday show, we're going to talk Rookie of the Year. We're going to talk Anthony Edwards, the Mellow Ball. Also, Wolves and Grizzlies Wednesday night. So we'll actually have a game to preview as well. All that's on Wednesday show. Um, and then, you know, the rest of the week, there's there's basketball pretty much. So we'll have plenty to talk about. Be sure that if you're not already following the show, that you do follow uh, wherever you listen to podcasts. That includes, of course, Apple, Google, Spotify, and the all-new Odyssey app. You can also follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnTWolves and at BBeacon. It's two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N. Today's episode was brought to you by Locker Room. Download the Locker Room app from the iOS App Store. Find one of our Locked On Rooms. Locker Room is changing the way we talk sports. All right, that's all we have for you today. Thanks once again for listening to the Locked On Wolves podcast. Of course, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Remember, the Locked On Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Locked On Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time. A reminder about Locked On Today. Today on the Locked On Today podcast, who's the best superhero in the NBA? You can get more of the sports news you need in less time with the Locked On Today podcast. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you like to listen to podcasts.